Welcome to the Aquarian Mother Podcast, a podcast that supports you in your journey in motherhood. I am your host, Marie-André, a mother, meditator, and yogini, and I specialize in gently supporting mother both IRL and online. Welcome back. This is the third episode. Today I am going to share with you the third part of my motherhood journey. I'm going to talk to you about my birth experience. I think it's important to share my birth story with you. Yet I have been a little bit... um, When I was pregnant, I made a point of honor to only... It was not honor, but a point of sanity to only listen to very positive, empowering birth stories that um, where everything ended up being so empowering for the birthing mothers. And uh, it was mostly, no, not mostly, only physiological birth, home births. Uh, Often I listen also to uh, free birth stories and wild pregnancies. So this was very important for me. So spoiler alert, if you are in this case, if you are pregnant at the moment and planning either physiological birth or um, home birth or even if you're planning to have some... uh, medically assisted birth and you want to stay in a very very positive and empowering um, mood maybe you want to skip this episode Um, yes so it's not necessarily a trigger warning but um, I was uh, giving some clues last time and I posted uh, my Instagram page a few days ago that I never witnessed a birth, even though I'm a mother. I wanted to uh, share the birth story in any case because I believe parts of it are very empowering to me. And of course, parts of it I am grieving at the moment. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's get into it. I feel it's important to share birth stories. Um, of course, now I have I have this platform, so I want to share it with you in a way I think it will uh, allow you to know me better. And I feel it's important to share birth stories. It's a very healing process. It's a very connecting process so sharing the birth stories can help uh, women and all the family you know uh, partners also uh, who were not uh, birthing parents also have a birth story that might be different from the birthing parents uh, story so yeah but um, sometimes it can feel sometimes your experience can feel lonely and hearing um, other birth stories that might have been similar to yours can be quite supportive and you might find a lot of empathy in this process. I was talking about also the fact that it can be very empowering to hear birth stories. So I was, uh, when I was pregnant, hearing not all day long, but a lot of Uh, very positive birth stories and they were often actually accompanied by not uh, so positive ones so often it goes that the first bird is not so nice and the second one well you know better what to expect and what kind of environment would set you up for a better bird and so on so I know that I was a lot in the habit of listening to these uh, stories where 
mothers were sharing their first birth in an hospital setting often or with a midwife that was not maybe the best midwife for them or etc etc and then choosing to have either um, unassisted birth or a home birth with a midwife that corresponded to them so much so as a as a second or third birth as a healing process so this can be very empowering too i also think uh sharing birth stories is very educational so we never hear like in in this day and age it's very seldom that we witness birth um this is what my post on instagram was about um, so we don't witness birth so much and we don't know so much about it and we give all the power outside of our ends if we choose to go through the medical systems. There is no need to know anything. You put all your faith and your life basically in the end of someone else who's supposed to know better. The problem is that what they know is a little bit uh, tainted, uh, to say the least. So, but that's the thing. If you start being familiar with birth, with the process of birth, and hearing many different stories, then you realize how it can go, and that it's not. Of course, birth is probably, <laughs> with that, the biggest mystery, right? In in our uh, incarnation on this planet so it is meant to be mysterious yet we can also demystify it a little bit I think it's also important to know that it's a normal process it's not a disease anyone who's going to give birth is not sick it doesn't necessarily need medical attention of course, in some cases, it does, because something is not optimally healthy in the pregnancy or in the baby or in the mother. But um, most of the cases, birth is not a medical event, and it should not be. Okay, anyway, I'm digressing. Um, but yeah, so birth stories are very important, and... Um, I'm going to give some tips on my social media. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking about my Instagram all the time today, but yeah, I'm going to give some tips uh, very soon after uh, the launch of the podcast um, to how to write your birth story because I think it's a very, very important. And also, one doesn't have to write the birth story only once. You can write your birth story many times over many years. There is a lot happening in birth. It is a portal. Um, a friend of mine described it as being between life and death. The moment of giving birth is like being between life and death. It is a huge thing. And so many things are brought to the surface. And it can take many sessions of debriefing, many uh, years. It can take another birth. It can take a death of your mother, for instance, or of your grandmother, which incidentally is my case today. My grandmother I talked to you about in the last podcast past last week um, I feel my son is approaching um, approaching the one year mark in a month at the moment I'm recording this podcast and so yeah my grandmother passed which um, as you know if you listen to the last episode I feel she has a, a connection to my old pregnancy story and and I don't know, I feel like it's a moment for me to dive again in, in my birth story. So I'm going to go on with it and let's see how it's going to go.
I have no idea. I'm just going freestyle here. I'm very curious to see what's gonna come. If you've listened to the last episodes, you probably know that my pregnancy was quite easy. I was a little bit, no, a lot tired in the first trimester, as is often the case, but I did not have any even nausea and um, food aversion so much. I was not so hungry, but I could always eat. And then everything went well. The second trimester was a bliss. And third trimester, in the end, I started to have a little, you know, those little pain. And um, But all in all, everything was quite well. And I was telling you that we were planning this home birth, which is not a thing here in Finland. It's a little bit complicated. So I was still followed um, within the public system. So towards the end of pregnancy, there's a lot of visits and you go, you check um, iron's level, you check protein level in the urine, you check uh, sugar levels and so on, so on. They screen for different things. So this nurse I had uh, told me I was the only patient uh, she had <laughs> doing a home birth in, the whole, in her whole career. So... I think um, it might have been a little bit stressful for her. And so even if it's not a home birth, I know it's really not unusual to talk about what are you going to do if you pass the 40 weeks mark? Um, my, my nurse in, in the public system started asking me, did you talk to your midwife? What are you going to do if you pass the due date? And I had talked to my midwife a little bit, but I could never have a clear answer, which is one thing I wish I would have had, uh, but I did not realize how important it was for me, so I did not voice it better to her. But she was always, oh, no worries, no worries, because she, like me, don't believe so much in due date, which, let's talk about it for a second, it's an estimated due date. And what happened to me is something that happens, I know, to a lot of people. When I went to my first scan, they changed my estimated due date. So they did not use the date that you can estimate from the last period, but they used the date they estimate with the measurements of the of the baby. And it gave me one le- week less than with the, the date with the last menstruations. But anyway, I was so chillaxed with this. I did not imagine anything. I, I saw other moms, you know, I was on some WhatsApp groups here in Helsinki of foreign moms like, oh, I'm this close to my due date, should I do something? Everyone is a bit stressed, I, and I understand. The last weeks of pregnancy are not the most um, comfortable ones. Uh, you don't sleep necessarily so well. That you think <laughs> you don't sleep so well. <laughs> Wait, that your baby comes, right? But you don't sleep so well. You cannot move yourself so well. You're always going to the toilet because your bladder is completely squeezed by this wonderful baby growing inside you. So I understand. Yet I was thinking every day my baby chose to spend in there is a day they need to be in there, you know? And I was so trustful and I was thinking, okay, there's no way anyway that I go for an induction and I did not do anything. I mean, I was doing my normal preparation for my birth and trying to be very relaxed and talking to my baby and doing my exercise as usual and everyone my midwife the nurse uh, I saw um, massage therapist and also physiotherapist uh, and a wonderful wonderful uh, osteopath here in, in Helsinki and they all said the same thing Oh, your baby is already so low. Your baby is so well positioned, perfect position. So I was not stressed in any case that 
anything is wrong, you know. Baby was head down. Baby was so well positioned. Everyone was telling me, oh, you're going to have an easy birth. Like my midwife was, I'm not stressed for you. I'm sure you're going to have an easy birth. I see you, like how you, how you sit, how you, how you hold yourself. So there was no, nothing in my mind. So I did not start to do anything to bring, bring the birth closer, you know. This nurse was asking, did you talk to the midwife? What are you going to do if you, if you go over your due date? And my midwife was just, yeah, no, there's no, there's no real. I asked her once, is there a moment you don't work with me anymore uh, if I'm too far along? And she said, no, no, this, no, no. And she was really vague. So this was not so reassuring because obviously <laughs> if it doesn't happen at all, I mean, <laughs> we would need to do something. So anyway. I said, okay, she's not stressed, I'm not stressed. But I saw that it, this was a thing, you know, for my nurse. And so um, I go again, I think on the 39 week, and she gave me the paper where I will need to call the hospital to get an induction if I go past, and there's, there's a whole protocol with specific dates, and it cannot go longer than this, it quote-unquote, cannot go longer than this, and they they want to do the induction then. So it starts to be a little bit annoying, you know, but 40 weeks uh, appointment come, which is not also, like, completely unusual, so we were prepared that we, we would go there. But in the morning, I was in bed, and I remember thinking, I don't want to go. I don't want this pressure. They're going to be like, oh, oh, it's 40 weeks now. But for some reason, I, for some reason, it's easy to see the reason. You know, they, in my situation, I was going against, you know, against the mainstream. And this stream is quite strong, right? So it's like swimming, swimming, swimming against the stream. It's tiring. And you know that trying to get there, swimming against the stream, if you drown, everyone gonna say it's your fault. You should have just let yourself float along with this with this stream, right? So if something was to happen to me or my baby or whatever, then it's it's my fault. It felt to me that I could not expect a lot of compassion if something quote unquote went wrong because I decided to do this thing that is mainly seen as dangerous. But, okay, we're going to talk about this in another episode, but I firmly believe that a home birth is safer for everyone involved if everyone is healthy and there's no complication in the pregnancy. But that's a subject for another time. Anyway, that morning I did not feel like going, but I went anyway. And, you know, I had mapped my, my belly. So I knew exactly how my baby was positioned, what, what side, and like he was in the optimal position. Uh, I could know where his bum was, where his head was. And um, my midwife also came uh, and checked me at home. Uh, and she, she confirmed this. And even the nurse, the previous appointment, so two, two weeks before that, she confirmed this, but at this appointment on the 40 uh, weeks marks, I think she was a bit stressed and she, like she wanted to be hyper aware, you know, that if something is wrong, we really need to be, because she's having a home birth, so we need to be extra thorough. And I think this made her not thorough, but she uh, started to try to pick the baby's heartbeat but it was on the wrong side and I don't know why I did not say any anything but she was picking my sound and it was very very slow right <laughs> because baby's heartbeat is super fast like and a grown-up adult pregnant lady that I am um, is much much uh, slower and it was the wrong heartbeat I knew it was not the baby but she picked this one and then she was like okay stand up because I'm gonna be able to catch the, the heartbeat better and I stood up 
and she was starting to be a bit panicky and like I felt like my blood drained from from me and for some reason I did not stay in my knowing that this is not my baby's heartbeat and I started to be also a bit panicky and she said this is very very low started crying and because I was also panicking she did not try to pick the heartbeat again she did not try the other side where she would have got my baby's heartbeat um and I could not shake this like I got so scared that something was happening to my baby and my partner also got scared and we were crying she said you need to go to the emergency room right now so we hopped in a taxi and uh, we were crying in the taxi and I then I was thinking okay I don't care about this home birth I don't care about this no induction I don't care anything I just care that my baby is okay and we went to the hospital the midwife there just picked the the right heartbeat everything was okay we stayed there for an hour and we ended up meeting um pregnant couple that we were intending to meet for coffee for so many weeks. So they are artists also like me. And um, they were also at the hospital for some reason. Uh, they needed a, a checkup. And we met them. So that that's the funny story. So we met them there. We went for lunch finally. And we connected so much that they are super good friend of ours now. And we... we went through our early postpartum so their their baby is two months uh younger than our son but yeah they ended up being very very good friends um with whom we shared um postpartum journeys so uh if we would not go to the hospital in this whole chaotic emergency scenario we would not meet them so that was one thing that was good and i also ended up thinking okay it's good I'm a bit more detached from this plan of home birth and this needs to happen this way. And so I, because at that moment I was only thinking, I just need my baby to be okay. I don't care where, how it happens. I just want my baby to be okay. Which ultimately I think this is what we all want. So in my mind, I I was seeing the silver lining, you know, I was seeing, oh, oh, this is a good thing. It made me just like focus on the real thing. And the problem with this was that I started to feel a lot of pressure from the public system that I should go for an induction. And so what happened, I think, is that this pressure is not very um, favorable for birth to start, for your birthing hormones, for like for everything. You know, stress is the thing that is not so good. But in any case, I was still like when we came back from the hospital, I thought, okay, um, I'm still not uh, stressed. Like my 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 knowledge of birth and of physiological birth. I was like, it's normal. It's my first baby. Also, fun fact here, you know that if you're a tall person, your gestation will be a little bit longer. So my doula was saying, yeah, but you're quite tall, so it's normal. She was sending me some some papers. And I started to read like scientific papers, like because you want to decide, like, am I really putting my baby in danger because I'm not going at the 40 uh, weeks mark for an induction or whatever. So, and in my mind, I thought it was Easter coming. And I thought for some reason that the baby is going to be born in Easter. And Easter was also the full moon, I think. And in my yoga um, group, there were other pregnant people. And this mom went into labor uh, on the night of Saturday to Sunday, Easter Sunday, and um, it was a full moon, and I thought, I'm also going to labor. And 
contraction started. And I had many, like many a bit like esoterical reason to think this would be the day. And it was quite close to my to my uh, my original due date. So my due date from the last period. So my nephew was born at that day, and in my family, a lot of people are born in the same day as their brother or cousin or uncle or aunt or grandmother. Like it's really weird, but everyone is born the same day as another family member. So I was thinking, okay, so that that must be the day. That must be the day. And the first yoga class I took with my teacher was on an Easter Sunday. And we were, um, it was all about the egg and the fertility and planting your seeds for spring and so on and so on. So I thought this must be it. And so I started to have contraction and this, um, this colleague of mine, or this this yoga uh, mother I was practicing with, went into labor, and she had her baby quite quickly, um, second time mother. And I thought, okay, that's that's it. So we got all excited with my partner, and we got flowers, and we baked a cake, and I went to bed, and contractions stopped. So that's a bit of a bummer. But then, okay, next day, same thing. Around four in the afternoon, contraction starts. They are quite painful. It's not just like these praxenics. It's like a painful contraction, but like 15 minutes apart, but quite intense. I go to bed, they stop. Next day, same thing happened. Okay, we had inflated the, the pool <laughs> in the room. Um, and we were like, okay, that's like a bit weird. So this went on for two weeks. Every day, four o'clock, contractions. Go to bed, contractions disappear. So time is passing and the pressure is building up. And now I reach at one point this day that I'm supposed to go there for a checkup and they, they want, I know how it goes. So there's a checkup and then they want to induce you, uh, even though everything would be okay on the checkup. And they are quite um, biased. So I told my, my midwife that I'm going to go for a private checkup and I'm not going to tell them what week I am because they don't have access to my, to my um, public records. And before I do that, I call the public system. And I talk to the nurse and I say, I'm not going to go. I'm going to follow your protocols and your dates, but I'm going to follow it with my, uh, with my estimated due date from my last period and not the one from the scan. This, this was our decision we made with my partner that which, and I was asking my midwife, and my midwife was saying, you have to decide, when is it, where's the limit for you? And I said, okay, let's do as they say. So it's 42 plus one, the limits here in Finland. They don't want to go past this. And I told them, I'm going to go when it's 42 plus one, but according to my due date from my last period. Wait a second, you need to talk to the doctor. So I wait on the phone like for 30 minutes. Doctor comes comes to the phone. You cannot do that. This is so dangerous. This is irresponsible. At least come for the checkup. And if you are willing to take the chance and risk this after the checkup, then Okay, but come for the checkup. I said, the way you're talking to me right now, I see how biased you are. Like, the risk, if you are willing to take the risk. If the checkup is okay, why is it a risk, you know? Like, no, you cannot do that. I said, I'm going to come when it's the time with the other date. No, the scan is so much more accurate and you cannot do that. And it's not necessarily true that the scan... And also, 
Remember, I knew when the baby was conceived, I, and I had my 128 day that you need to know when the baby was. I knew um, that the date from the, the last menstruation was good, you know. So she, the doctor starts uh, freaking out, and she's she last thing she told me before I hung up was, well, if you are willing to risk that your baby will die, then okay, don't come. So this is coercion. Anytime a medical professional uh, threaten death is very bad, and it's coercion, and this happens a lot with pregnant people, and this is obstetrical violence, and this is harassment. And she started to call, call us after that, so I'm going to get into this uh, in a few, but I was quite uh, shaken after this phone call, but I was also quite sure that I don't want to go there. And we ended up going for a private, private um, scan where they checked that there was two uh, pockets still of amniotic fluid that were bigger than seven centimeter. Um, no, there was one bigger than seven centimeter, but there, there was enough water and baby was quite small. So the um, midwife who did the, this private scan told me that if she was to assess what week I'm in, she would say 39. But for hospital, we were past like 41 plus, I don't know. How, how much so I said okay then apparently baby is okay and you know in my heart and in my intuition I knew he's okay but it's really really hard to just trust this when everything around you is pushing you or pulling you out of your intuition and pulling you in another direction and you just want to go inward and know that everything is okay, right? And I started to do all the things, um, even a little before that anyway, but I did everything you can think of to get your baby out of you. So I think I was, I was eating one pineapple a day. I was eating my... 12 dates a day, I was eating spicy food. I was going for so many walks. I was doing this curb walking. I was doing all the spinning babies uh, exercise. You should also, if you're pregnant, um, check that out. The spinning babies are amazing. But my baby was already in a perfect position. And people were like this, this new midwife from the scan also told me, oh, amazing position, baby is so good. And I could feel it. He was already quite low, and so the spinning babies, the walking, um, we had so much intimacy at that moment also because, you know, orgasm will release oxytocin, and oxytocin is needed to, <laughs> to get the bird going, and I was using also the tense machine that um, my doula provided for the birth, but you can use it. Um, and it's relaxing, and it also uh, can release hormones to help you. I mean, I did everything. Uh, I oh Yeah, I went to acupuncture. I had acupressure uh, treatment and massage. I was writing letters to my baby, uh, connecting. And I was really trying to see, like, what's, what can block me to give birth? Um, why am I am I holding on to to being pregnant? And of course, yes, in a way, there was there were things you know. I am pretty sure it's the only pregnancy I will experience. Um, so yeah, I um, I never felt like okay, I'm so done being pregnant. And if there would not have been any pressure from the hospital. I think I would never have felt like, oh, this baby needs to get out. Like, not that I wanted him in there forever, but I, I was quite okay being pregnant. I never felt this, oh my God, this is so long, I cannot take this anymore. And also, probably, if uh, because now I, I have the ability to see with the step back that 
I was not in total uh, trust of my midwife for some reasons. And from my partner, I was a bit scared. How is he going to react? Um, the home birth, he was not so happy about and things like this, you know, and and actually with the pressure from the hospital, it uh, was really heavy on our relationship at that point. And um, I think I, I was afraid to be unsupported and left alone. And this is exactly how I was feeling. And I was working a lot on this. I was journaling like how I'm, I'm okay, you know, I'm strong. I have been alone forever. I know how to deal with everything by myself and I can do that. But I think some deeper um, places. And also, oh, I remember I also had a tapping session with a friend and fellow yoga teacher. So yeah, I did everything, you know, um, except the midwife's brew. Uh, the midwife's brew is a bit controversial. The midwife's brew is this uh, castor oil mixture, and it's quite effective, actually. But there are uh, different opinions on this, and some people find it can be hard for the baby. In any case, now it had been two weeks that we were uh, having the ground on um, day. <laughs> <laughs> every day I had contractions around four o'clock in the afternoon and then when I went to bed they just vanished so and we were approaching uh, this moment where I would have to go to the hospital um, to get an induction in which I did not have any fate by the way because um, okay we'll talk about this in another episode but there's a way you can calculate what's called your bishop score uh, depending on how ripe is your cervix, there's five factors. And if your score is very low, even if you get an induction, you have all chances to end up in a C-section surgery because the body and the baby are not ready. So even if you're induced, this can be um, a very unsuccessful induction. And I was in this... Uh, this case actually so I wanted to avoid it anyway and of course I wanted to have my home birth and uh, we started talking with the midwife so there was no way I would get an induction and be home so she would not take me so now I had a like I had a more precise boundaries from her uh, which I did not know at first so it had to come to this point that she said, no, I will not do it. So she told me she would not do the midwife brew, but she had several clients who did it and had um, successful birth right after. So I had to decide if I want to do it or not. And um, I decided to do it. <laughs> I decided to do it um, and actually I went in labor on the day so I did it in the morning and then around 11 I started to have contractions um, and um, labor started then and it did not vanish. I spent all night with contractions it was probably later than 11, actually. It was probably at 4 o'clock. <laughs> at 4 o'clock. Yeah, I think it was in the afternoon. Anyway, when I went to bed, it did not come. And I had contractions every 15 minutes, I think, for all night. And I did not sleep very well. And it was painful. And... I felt a bit lonely because my partner was trying to sleep, to be in good shape. But um, I don't know. There was not a lot that I could do to make me feel uh, more comfortable. And I was trying to sleep. So I was half sleeping, half in pain, half 
worried that it would go away also. But then I woke up in the morning. I still had the contraction, so I called my doula. She came. She came in the morning, and we tried a lot of the... Um, so the contraction started to be quite uh, annoying. <laughs> they were quite painful. And uh, everything I had planned for pain management was failing me. So I had the TENS machine, and when I was using it, I felt worse. I was like, oh my God, this is making my pain worse. Or uh, I was listening to hypnobirthing tracks, and I was like, oh, I cannot hear this voice. This voice is hurting me. If my partner would touch me, as oh, don't touch me, it, it hurts more. Uh, we tried the rebozo also. We had practiced a lot of things with the, the rebozo. Um, with the doula and my partner I was like, oh, don't touch me, don't touch me. <laughs> I was obsessed by when am I going to get in the five minutes <laughs> between the contractions so I can go to the pool. That was my goal. Okay, at one point, it's going to be five minutes between contraction and I will go to the pool and I will go to the pool. So uh, the midwife came also to check on me and we had lunch all together. I could not eat so much. I was a bit like, uh, but I ate a bit and I was thinking, okay, I need to eat and I need to, 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 to keep my, my strength, you know, because I'm getting into this incredible physical experience. Um, yeah, so the midwife went after lunch. The doula also went after lunch. And I remember it was snowing outside. <laughs> So now we are the third of May, and yeah, welcome in Finland. It was snowing outside. The doula went, and at one point, uh, and I'm still in, in pain, so maybe every 12 minutes, 10 minutes, um, and still thinking, oh, one, at one point I will be five minutes apart, and I will go to this pool, and it will be great. And at one point, um, my partner is clearly overwhelmed. And he says, I need to go for a walk. I'm going for a walk. And I feel incredibly abandoned. And I call the doula, can you come back? I'm alone. And she comes back and she stayed. And now contraction never like slowed down. They were just like getting um, a bit more intense. Um, and she comes back, and he comes back at one point. But I never know why he left. I learned months later that he went because the hospital, this doctor called him. So we a few uh, days, even maybe a week after I had the conversation with her, she called and she said, if you don't come to hospital, why didn't you come? If you don't come, your baby will die. And so he was freaking out, but he did not want to tell me and he did not want to stay in the room to uh, save me from this energy. But for me, it was maybe even worse because I felt, oh my God, he's, why is he leaving me like this? So anyway, then he was there. Then uh, things are less clear <laughs> at this point. I think I got to go in the pool around 10 or yeah 10 o'clock at night I think and I had my playlist and um, there was a lot of binaural beats and a bit of mantra and I had my playlist and this was somehow how I semi track time because I did not really want to track time but when I entered in the pool contraction did not go easier they were not less painful they were not slower they nothing slowed down because you know sometimes you enter the pool and the whole labor kind of um, slows down a lot or like but from an outside perspective i think it looked like it because as soon as i could go in the water water is my element okay i'm like almost 
all <laughs> my chart is in pieces. I'm pieces, rising pieces uh, with uh, Venus in pieces. Like everything is in pieces in my chart. It's very weird chart, like all in a, in a little corner. Um, water is my element. So when I got in the pool, I could meditate and I felt like I was holding this this state, this meditative state, and I was holding it like it's weird no? because usually when you meditate you try to let go, but I was holding my meditative state so well. I was in the pool and this weird, weird mantra came to me and this was the only thing I could uh, go by to be present and I was just thinking like the contraction were coming like three minutes apart and so painful and I was just there like thinking I am already dead so it doesn't matter it's the weirdest thing but I swear this is only thing every contraction I'm already dead so it doesn't matter I'm already dead so it doesn't matter it's weird it's weird it felt like a yoga thing, you know? It felt like a bit Eastern. <laughs> Eastern, like... You know, sometimes in, in yoga, you have this meditation where you, you're told you're dead and you go into flames and things like this. It felt like this. Anyway, it was calming me so much. And I was telling from my zone to my partner and my doula that I, I realized at one point they are on the phone with the midwife and the midwife was not coming and I was kind of waiting for her from my zone, I was in my thing, I was in my, you're already dead, so it doesn't matter thing. But I had a tiny, tiny bit of consciousness what was happening around, and I was thinking, why is she not coming? And I understood, why is she not coming? Because they all think I'm slow, like, that this is slowing down. And I was telling them, contractions are not slowing down, but I'm just very calm. And I was saying this, I remember, I'm just very calm, but the contractions are, are as painful and as often as before. But she did not come. I think I would have needed her there. I believe I was in this meditation for over four hours because when the track, when the soundtrack was getting to the end, the end of my soundtrack, was Akal, because in uh, Kundalini we chant Akal, Akal, Akal when uh, someone dies, so we chant it to help the soul go back to the ethers, and we chant it when a new soul is born earthside, so the plan, the plan was to hear this song when the baby uh, would come, and when the song was uh, coming, I would tell my doula, who was sleeping in my bed next to, next to the pool, or resting, I don't think she was sleeping so much, I was saying, oh, can you put back the, the playlist to the beginning? And she would put it to the beginning. So that's kind of how I had a bit of a sense of timing. At one point, after four hours of being in my meditation, I, I was feeling it slip through my fingers, you know? It, it was going away. It was slipping and slipping. And it was harder and harder to stay calm and meditative. And pain was getting bigger and bigger, right? And so I, at one point, I dropped it. And I started screaming again. Like, my head, like, upside down in the pool. There was so much mucus plug in this um, pool, in my hair. I was so disgusting, like a mess, like twisted in so many directions, my body. I was so sore, you ladies, after this birth. I was, because I spent hours twisting my body and screaming, like when I dropped the meditation thing. And at one point, I, I was afraid to get out of the pool, but I needed to get out of the pool, so I stepped out of the pool and I went to the shower and I had my birth ball in the shower. I was in so much pain and now the contractions, they felt like back to back. Like only, I, I felt like I was only in contraction. 
and I was in pain. And then I went back to my bed. Dula was uh, lying in my bed. I was in the bed. And at one point, I went to the toilet. And I was in such pain. And I, I started um, feeling that this pain was not necessarily normal. Uh, I, I started to be a bit worried that uh, maybe something different needs to happen. Uh, like something different, like an hospital transfer maybe or something. And so I was in the toilet uh, and I um, my sounds were, were really different. And it's funny, now that I'm explaining all this, I feel like, whoa, this, this looks almost like transition. But it was not. It was just like I was in so much pain and now I was starting to be worried and I was on the toilet and my midwife came and she said, I need to listen to the heartbeat. And I said, I know, but you cannot touch me right now. I said, you need to wait, 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 wait. And I screamed and I go through like three contractions, like back to back and just, and I feel a bit desperate, you know? I'm like, now we, it's like 6.30 in the morning. And she listened, and I, I managed to uh, let her listen to the heartbeat. And she said, it's quite uh, low, and I think I need to pull the plug on your home birth, and we need to go to hospital. And I said yes, because I was already thinking. I think if she would not said that, like 30 minutes later, I would have said, we need to go. So I think... This is it. I did not mean to talk so long about this. I thought like one hour uh, for the one episode for, for the bird story. But let's, yeah, let's continue this bird story next episode because the whole plan shifted and uh, it's another story. So, yeah, let's uh, be back here. For the rest of the story in any case um, I believe sharing our bird stories is very important and sacred and I hope and I know also that this can help people out there so I am very grateful that you've been listening to this story and I hope you want to know the rest and I will meet you back here for the next episode. You've been listening to the Aquarian Mother podcast. Thank you for being with us. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review and don't forget to follow us so you don't miss out. See you next time.